Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. All right, how many men were with us at the men's meetup yesterday, man? It was a good day. It was a great, great morning together. And um, we talked about some key things that I believe are going to bless the life of every man in his home and his future and his children and everything he puts his hands to. And uh, we're going to touch on some of that, a little bit of that today. Uh, but we're going to do something different today. Uh, and th- I'll introduce them in just a second. But I want to give you... It's an idea of where I'm going today. I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, and I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to think about this in the context of just the importance of what would be a, a major biblical doctrine, something that we hold on to, something that stabilizes us, something that if you lose this, you lose everything. This is what Paul's talking about in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And um, says, but if, he says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So what was happening is, just like today, people were taking a piece of Christianity and saying, I really like that part, but this part over here, I don't like that. And that could be because of personal choices. That could be because of a personal life or or attitude or mindset that people have. It could be because of the standard of the culture of the day or the spirit of the age. But people just adopt what they like often from Christianity and discard other parts. And that's what was happening here specifically with this understanding of Christ being raised from the dead. Uh, This gives us hope for eternity right? Uh, Those people who I've lost in my life, my hope is founded and grounded in Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, I'm not waiting someday to wonder where they are. I know by the resurrection of Jesus that his promise is true, that any loss that I've suffered, any any personal loss, anyone who has has, uh, stood before Christ and received him as their Lord and Savior, that's my hope. I stand in that. I don't have to go to bed wondering about that. I stand firm in the promise of God that he loves me, and that we will be secure with God for eternity, right? And he says, so, so I'm going to read that again. He says, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified, testified about God that he, was raised, that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him. In fact, I'm sorry, I'm getting older and I need glasses. <laughs> and I just realized this this year, and I usually have my iPad, and I'm trying to read off an iPhone, and this is not going great for me. <laughs> Even in my old age, my gray hairs, the Lord's going to sustain these eyes. Amen. I've been preaching a long time, looking at big letters, and I'm like, this isn't going to work on these iPhones. Okay. All right. Let's just try this again. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
and then those also who have died in Christ are lost. So he's basically saying, look, if there's no resurrection of Jesus, then everything that we're preaching is a lie. And more importantly, then all the hope that you have, that you put in Christ and the forgiveness of your sins and the hope for eternity, that's all a waste as well. So he goes on, and this, is, this whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is so important. He talks about this. And then at the very end, in verse 58, uh, he, he goes on to say this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Give yourselves over fully to the work of the master because your labor is not in vain. It costs him something, and it costs him something. So we can live in that and trust that what God is doing is never in vain. It's never useless. It's never pointless. In high seasons, low seasons, slow seasons, hurting seasons, everything we've sown. Paul also talked about how one person plants, another one waters, but it's God who gives the growth. I can't tell you how, how some people, you, you, you can sow into their life and then you see them go on and then someone else sows into their life and then you see they're thriving and you think, wow, I got to have a piece of that. I got to have a part in that person's life. I got to sow seed into their life to see them grow. And we all get to do that. And people have done that for us. And in turn, we get to do that for others because the work of the Lord is never in vain. And so today, I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to invite uh, some people who model this very thing I'm talking about, uh, people who give themselves fully over to the work of the Lord. So I'm going to invite them to come up here right now. Uh, Mrs. Haley Shannon, Mr. Cody Criddle, Mr. Andrew Delgado. Let's give them a hand as they're walking up here. So... Um, as you see, some of you may know who some of, of, of these guys are. This is the guy that was the bad parent yesterday and ignored his child <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. The abusive father here ignores. Um, but Psalm 145 tells us that each generation should declare their, God's mighty acts to another. So for you and I, that means the testimony of what God has done, the mighty things God has done in your life and in my life, those are things we're to declare for, by the goodness of God and the grace of God for another generation to know God. This is so important. In, in the Old Testament, we see that the generation of Joshua crossed over the Jordan River. They, they, Moses had passed. Joshua came, took over, assembled the people, pulled them into the promises of God. They settled in their cities and their tribes. And then it says another generation came that neither knew of God nor the things and the miracles that he had done. And in one generation, you had one generation that had struggled for 40 years to go through uh, turmoil and to go through the wilderness to claim their promises of God, only to forget about God and hand it back over, and the generation had to start all over, all over again. Can you imagine all the hardest lessons you've learned in your life, but nobody knows about them? And so someone comes after you, friends, family, your kids, and they go through this exact same hard lessons because you didn't speak of the goodness of God. You didn't declare it. Amen. You didn't speak out about what God had done. See, even in Christ, our past and our shame has a purpose. You know, some people don't overcome their past because they don't understand their past has already been overcome by the blood of the Lamb for what Christ has done. 
And so they can't walk that out because they haven't fully embraced the goodness of God or the grace of God. But in Christ, we could stand firm in what he's done. And I can't think of three more incredible people than the ones you see up here. Uh, and I wanted to pull them up today so that you could hear of the mighty acts in their life and what God has done. Uh, these three embody faithfulness. Yeah. I talked to our men yesterday about faithfulness, this important topic. And we've been talking about faith-forward stories. Um, I mean, well, faith-forward messages and sermons. And these are faith-forward stories that you're going to hear today. Um, they kind of don't know where I'm going to go. That's, that's the fun part of what I get to do. I get to tell them, you're up there with me on Sunday. I said, what are we talking about? I said, you'll find out. So together we're going to find out. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with Andrew because your spouse has given us 10 things that you, that you do not do that she's been asking you to do for years. Some of these sinful things that she's asked you to repent of. And we're calling you out before the church to make things right because you won't listen to her. So uh, we'll start with list with number one. If I could see what they are here in a minute, I'll. But uh, no, let, let's, talk, let's talk to you, Andrew. And I'm just going to handle this conversation style. These, these people are like family. We do life together week in and week out for years. Uh, they are, are the few among many uh, who help <clears throat> establish and build Grace Avenue Church. And Grace Avenue is what it is because of people just like them and their devotion. Uh, they are people who declare the mighty acts of God to this generation through their service, through their activities, through their generosity, through the time that's given. And a lot of times people just know the people who are maybe on a mic, but you need to know some of the people that are happening here in Grace Avenue Church because they are incredible, incredible people. So let's start with Andrew. Andrew, um, let's talk about when you first got saved. You've got an incredible story. We won't have time to get into all of it. But let's talk. Let's, let me just start there. When did, you, when did you get saved? Oh, man, I want to say... Last week? 2000, yeah, yesterday as a matter of fact. Um, uh, probably around 2004, um, I want to say more or less. Okay. Um, 2004. It's probably, it probably when I came to know the Lord. Um, still wouldn't completely walk in it out, um, but that's actually when I started to know the Lord. So gradually I started to dig in, um, thanks to my wonderful wife who uh, encouraged me and... Yes. Um, now, were, were you guys still, still married at that time, or were we all separated? Or actually, we were separated. Separated. We okay. were separated for six months. Um, already had uh, paperwork filed, um, getting ready to get a divorce. Um, and then I started to know a change in her, as she, how she reacted towards me. And when we would, you know, um, she would come and drop off my daughter, Abby, to me, or vice versa. So... Um, Start to know a difference, and I asked her what the difference was, and she says, well, I started going to church. I was like, blah, 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 church, yeah. <laughs> you know, heard it, whatever, you know, didn't, didn't really um, go for it. Yeah. And I started to continue to see the difference. So um, I went to go and try it out. Um, surprisingly, the only man in the church, because it was still inside an apartment, um, the only man was all women. Um, but, the, but the one <laughs> who was actually preaching um, spoke into my life. She read my mail. She knew things that only me and God knew, that not even my wife knew, so I knew it was real. And um, so that, that was a, that's where the journey kind of started. Um, I knew God was real at that time. Um, so he kind of helped me come off of drugs, alcohol, out of gangs. I was still kind of mixed up with the streets, 
even when my wife and I had met, um, still doing the bar hopping and all that stuff, and that's why we were where we were. Um, so it was a journey. It was a, it was a process. Um, started to get into the word, and then the word started to get into me. And as it did, it started to change my life, how I view things, um, really realizing that the way I was living was not the right way. Um, as my father started to love me and show me what love was, um, I was able to turn around and give it. Couldn't give something I didn't, hadn't received yet. Um, Man, and as, as I started to receive the unconditional and the, and the love of God, um, I was able to turn around and give it to my wife. Of course, at that time, she didn't want nothing to do with me, um, which I don't blame her, you know. But um, I held on to God's word, and um, I, stuck, I stuck with it. And I said, Lord, if you're real, then this is going to happen, and um, I'm not going to give up. I've always gone hardcore into everything. When I was gangbanging, it was hardcore. That's why I climbed very quickly. Um, drugs, I would hardcore it. Alcohol, hardcore. I always did everything to the extreme. If I wrecked a car, I flipped it and totaled it. You know, those are the types of things that I did. I never did anything, you know, halfway. halfway. You know, um, so when I said I was going to go ahead and jump in, Lord, I says, I want to jump all in. I'm coming all in. I'm going all in as not just a follower of Christ, but also as a husband and, you know, a dad. And I did, you know. Uh, many times my wife, you know, she'd yell at me and uh, get upset with me and I come home from work and the Lord would say, okay, now go do the dishes. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, are, are you kidding me? You know, you just heard her the way she was talking to me, oh. you know, and, but the Lord says, do the dishes. Do we have pictures of the family? Did, did we, were we able to get those? Yes. Can we show a picture? Oh, here we go. Here's this lovely family right here. So you had one daughter at the time. Yes, that was then, Abby. Then you and, and Mary Lou got back together. Yes. Y'all had three more daughters. After that, yes. And you're going to be broke the rest of your life, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Amazing. Where do you think, where do you think, honestly looking, you would be, because that was 2004. Yes, sir. Talking 18 years ago. Like, let's think about where would you be? Where do you think you'd be had God not gotten a hold of your life and moved you forward and changed your life? Um, I can pretty much, I can guarantee you where I would be. I'd either be in prison or I'd be six feet under. Because emotionally and mentally, I was already dead. Spiritually, I was already dead. I had already given up on myself, given up on everything, didn't want to live. Had no, didn't plan on even reaching my 30s, um, more or less anything else. I had given up on life. I lost hope didn't have any hope. And when you don't have hope, you don't have vision. If you don't have vision, you don't have faith for anything. And you just, you cut it all out. You quit. And that's basically what I did. I quit on life. And how did you find Grace Avenue? I actually found Grace Avenue through my niece, through uh, Vicky. And when was and that? Chris. This was in 2014. I want to say around 2014. Eight years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's when um, we started coming here and um, heard pastor, my wife had been trying to get me to come over here. Finally did. I heard pastor speak for the first time. And then I told my wife, that's it. This is where we're going to submit to. Um, pastor was my shepherd and we were in solid. So you're an amazing man. You're an amazing man. Andrew. You really are. Um, 
So, Haley, were, were you a gangbanger as well? <laughs> yes, don't I look like it? <laughs> in my former life, just how many, like Andrew? How many skulls did you crack back in the day? I, I doubt... I doubt you did a lot, right? It's probably just more like just you were a ballet point. dancer. I know that at one I point. I sure was, yeah. 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 So you'd swing and kick people in the exactly. Uh, exactly. As violent as you got. Cut them with my words. I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so Haley Shannon, uh, who's married to John Shannon, there's amazing people here, um, were the first people who said yes to Grace Avenue, and probably you know, if, if I'm really honest, aside from Janelle and I. Our executive team knows what's going on, but no one has known over the life of the church, the entirety of the church, uh, all, all the last 12 years, uh, kind of anything and everything that's gone on. Uh, Haley is, is kind of like the, the glue that holds everything together in a lot of ways that people don't see and don't realize why things are going so well. <laughs> Obviously, Haley's surrounded. There's other people, great people, you know, on our team that do that as well. But for the longest time, it felt like it was just Haley. Uh, and she has just has that skill, that ability to not just pull that weight, but to, to be able to lead, wear a lot of hats, uh, a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of challenges come, and she's able to just embrace that uh, and not be emotional about it, just like literally just attack them one at a time, um, which is kind of scary uh, <laughs> and amazing at the same time. Um, but I, I've known her since she was a kid, had the honor of marrying her and her husband yeah. 16 years ago. Yeah, it'll be 16 in December. So That's why I've got great I knew, I knew of y'all. We were in the same <laughs> airspace when Pastor Janelle was pregnant with Vivi. That's right. So, yeah. a long time ago. Viv 17 now, yeah. so it's been a long time. Um, let's talk about your, your, your upbringing. What, 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 you have a pa- Here's why I wanted to have you up here. Okay. I didn't tell you this, but here's why. <laughs> I know. Some people have honeymoon phases with God, with church, with everything. Like two years, three years really into something, and then they just kind of move on. Even in people's passion for church, right? In church, the local church, I believe it's the hub where everything great can happen and for where everything great can be birthed. Great families, great marriages, great ministries, great businesses, great men of integrity, great women of integrity, things that last they have to be healed. Like, so um, we see people come out of the streets, like Andrew, but we've got to get them in the seats to grow. Right. Like if all we do is go to the streets and we don't get anybody in the seats, they don't learn how to be a better husband. They don't learn how to handle their finances. They don't learn how to deal with their anger issues. They don't learn how to get some counseling for some things that they can't even see about themselves. So it's not just evangelizing and reaching people. It's getting them in the seats. And in doing so, you have seen all of this and you've stayed devoted all these years, and I want to ask you why. <laughs> why are st- you st- You know what we deal with, yeah. what we see, what hurts. It's a never-ending story yeah. of ongoing growth. Why are you still here? Why do you keep doing this? Jeez, that's a deep <laughs> question. That's why I didn't tell you before. Yeah. <laughs> what is your why? I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's just something about the church that there isn't anywhere else. There's something about, you know, we say church fam, and for some people, depending upon what your family looked like, that can be like an awesome thing, or it can be a really like questionable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something about 
getting to grow and getting to watch people grow and getting to be part of the development of people that they're not gonna get anywhere else. It's something that we all long for. It's something that, you know, getting into the word and having it change you like Andrew, bringing, you know, people coming in of all walks of life who've gone through all different things, being able to see their life start one place and then end up another place and now they're still on that trajectory. There's nothing that is as satisfying as seeing that. And so I think it's been, I think in the beginning for me, um, staying devoted to the church, I think it was more out of, doing the right thing. I do think it started there for me. You know, I don't have a story like Andrew where I was going crazy. I was raised in a two-parent home until until John and I got married and my parents actually got divorced. Um, I was, you know, we were Catholic and then started going to a church similar to Grace Avenue. Um, so kind of had a pretty stable upbringing for the most part. Um, and so for me, it came out of very much the firstborn wanting to do the right thing, you know, and I loved serving in the church. I loved um, putting my hand to something, and I felt like, well, this is a good thing. But then over time, I feel like the Lord kind of did it in reverse for me. You know, I didn't have that, you know, grabbed from the grips of hell moment. I mean, I had that salvation moment where I was, but it didn't look the same. And so I think for me, it was very much God has always had me on a journey, and I've just allowed him to continue to grow me through that and to see my faith develop in those steps. Um, I didn't have to have the, you know, go off the rails moment to come back, but there have been moments where I've still had my faith challenged, where I've still had to really decide where is, what, what am I standing on? Is it Jesus? Is it this foundation? I remember when a, um, there was a situation with a friend where she almost passed away in childbirth, and I remember that shaking me. We had just started Grace Avenue. It was a few years old, and I remember thinking, Lord, we're we're planning a church for you. Like, why on earth would that happen? And I had to wrestle with that um, theology of suffering, so to speak, of like, okay, what am I really founded on? Is God still good in seasons like this? And so I think for me it looked different, but it was still that same journey of a faith-forward um, lifestyle, so to speak. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, you have... You, you, I think you're a multifaceted and multi-gifted individual. I think you can do a whole lot more than people see. And I think a lot of times you're behind the scenes so people don't get to see a lot of that upfront stuff that you're it's very capable of. Um, so uh, when I think of you um, and, I, and, and I think about your future here in Grace Avenue, I see a lot of ministry in you and I see a lot of ministry on you. I see a lot of truth in you that can be conveyed and communicated and articulated to people. Um, how do you think you got a revelation of God's grace for your own life? I think it was, if I had to pinpoint a moment, it was the moment um, before we planted Grace Avenue, actually. We had come out, I had come out of a season of serving in the church, being on staff at a church, um, and then all of a sudden, it just ended. And it, it was the right time, it was the right thing, it was in God's timing and plan, but it was everything that I had put in, worked for, so to speak, and it was just over. And there was, the next step wasn't there. It was that hallway moment where it's like the next thing wasn't there. Grace Avenue wasn't there. And it was in that time, I remember sitting at home and John was at work and I just was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I even doing, Lord? And it, it's the one of the few times I can say that I actually think I had a like a depression moment like I was like what am I what is this even all about like what has all that been for and I, it was in that moment I feel like the Lord led me to a certain um, teaching and it was all on grace 
And it was that I think for so long up to that point, I had done the right thing for the right reasons and wanted to, you know, I got saved and it felt very much like I was so thankful and grateful for this gift. And I just wanted to like almost reverse earn it, like do everything I could for the Lord because I was so thankful for this gift. Um, instead of like trying to earn my salvation, it was like, well, I have salvation and now I have to live up to it. It was kind of that mentality. And so I think in that moment with the Lord in my living room, it was just that revelation like, oh my gosh, this is what grace is. This is the part that I had been missing. And I think it's so beautiful that the Lord allowed that to happen in me. And then Grace Avenue came about after that. And so now I kind of got to share that with everyone. So yeah. It's beautiful. As you're saying that, it gives me, it brings to mind a quote that I've often heard and used. And it's that when you receive Jesus, the gift that he is, that there's nothing you can do more, to, you know, nothing you could ever do to make God love you more, and nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. Yeah. And it's hard to really get our heads around that. Yeah. Teens, young adults, you know, you, you've got your own battles and struggles. You know, you get into parenting, you get into older age or whatever, you start losing your sight and getting gray hairs. But, but you, you, you still hit moments where you're asking yourself about God's goodness and God's grace. And you're still questioning whether or not you need to work hard sometimes yeah. to earn something from God that he's given freely to you. And so you think, if, if I do this, God will love me more. But the reality is God loved me through his yeah. gift from the cross, his resurrection. He proved it. He settled everything. He forgave us. We now walk in that forgiveness. We walk in that, that grace of God. And nothing I can do can make God love me less. Mm -hmm. Amen. But the flip side is nothing I can do can make God love me more. Yeah. It's finished. His love is settled. Yeah. It's permanent. It doesn't come and go like people who delete you off of Facebook or social media. It doesn't come with people who are flaky or fickle. It doesn't come with relationships who are kind of like in relationships where people are kind of in your life but kind of not. It's stable and it's consistent and it's the grace of God. And when we rest in that, it changes the way we serve. It changes the way we see. It changes the way we treat other people. Yeah. You ever see somebody going through something and you look at them and you judge them and then you realize... I used to do that exact same thing. It's just been a long time. But you realize the mentality you had, the attitude you had. You remember the judgments that were spoken over you at the time, how it made you angry, and it changes the way you see people. You know? Grace is a beautiful thing when we fully learn how to embrace it. And I believe it takes a lifetime of knowing Jesus to keep coming into deeper revelations of grace. I really do. Because you can know you're forgiven when you get saved, but you got to know you're forgiven when you're not a perfect parent. That's right. And you got to know you're forgiven when you haven't gotten everything right that you wanted to get right. You got to know that you're loved in those times yeah. more than anything. Cody Criddle. Yes, Pastor. With a fresh haircut. <laughs> How are you, man? No, good. I called your name and you responded. And unlike you, your daughter, when she called your name 20 <laughs> times. Selective adults can have selective hearing too. <laughs> selective hearing. Uh, I was actually looking through old pictures and videos uh, last night. I was searching for some stuff and I found the video of you were unloading the trailer the very first Sunday of Grace Avenue in 2010, December 2010, and you're pushing this trailer. You don't have a beard there and you look like you're like 10 years old. Yeah. But um, Cody and Sarah. Hey, do we have a picture of Haley's family? Do we show that? I'm not, I can't see behind me. So do we show a picture of their family? Here they are. Can y'all see them? That's two years family. ago. That's the most recent one I have. Yeah. 
Y'all don't have any shoes? Do y'all not no. have any? That was, that was right before we moved. Take an offering after church for this poor family. <laughs> I'll take him. Shoes. My kids are feeding around. Cole is the first baby of Grace Avenue Church. That's right. I held he's him. I have a picture. He's the church. first baby of Grace Avenue Church. Yeah, he's, 12 he's years as old, old as Grace Avenue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cody. Let's show Cody's beautiful family up here. Cody and Sarah. Oh, their family. Oh, <laughs> that is so beautiful. Gosh, where was that picture taken? Colorado. Colorado. Wow. Amazing. All right, Cody, let's talk about you. Uh, you're an incredible man. You're a principled man. You're a man of integrity. Um, I've watched you. I remember the first day you came into Grace Avenue. It was in a living room in a house in Bernie, Texas. Uh-huh. How old were you then? Oh, man. I you wasn't just married got, yet. 20 you weren't married yet. 24? 23, 24, something wow. like that. Yeah, we were engaged. Wow. So y'all got married shortly after that? Yep. Okay. Like a couple months later, right? I'm looking at this is my date, my account. This. <laughs> yes. Don't get this one wrong. She yet. keeps me in line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're a faithful man to the Lord, and when I when I think about you, um, there's the, the Bible talks about people who have a, a humble spirit, contrite heart. Uh, I think of you. I think of you in that way. You've always carried that. You model that. Um, Obviously, your wife could tell us the truth <laughs> if there's really another side we don't know about. But honestly, it comes out in your ministry. It comes out in your work. Um, how do you think that that became such a stabilizing? Obviously, we know it's God. But how do you think that became such a value to you? Because people can hear about humility but not embrace it, mm-hmm. right, and not pray for it and not desire it. It's so important to God. But where do you think that was modeled? How do you think that came about in your life? Are there circumstances that you think that helped, helped you become who you are now. Yeah. I think uh, I'm grateful to say that I had a foundation um, kind of birthed for me. My father was a first-generation Christian when I was one years old, was was saved. So I kind of grew up with that, but I had a healthy... Um, and he was rough, right? Oh, yeah. He was wild. Half his life he still won't tell us about. I'm 36, so 35. We talked about that. I can't remember my age. 35. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was, he was pursuing God and, and bringing us along on that journey. And so that's what we experienced growing up. But we had a, a, an atmosphere that was just um, saturated in worship. My dad was a worship pastor uh, in the church. Uh, early on, there's a whole story around that. But he, he just worship was all around us. The presence of God was familiar. That was something we grew up in. And that and in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Those were two things that were cultivated really heavy when I look back in the atmosphere that we were raised in. So I think that was a foundation, but I think... Let, let, let's, let's break that down a little bit. How was that cultivated for you? Like, give yeah. that a practical way that was cultivated. It was value. It was, it was made present. So worship, uh, there was worship on Sundays. You know, we have worship practice here on Thursdays and Sundays, but our house was filled with an atmosphere of worship. Uh, my family, we would work. I remember growing up, I, I'm one of 10 kids. So we had a whole worship team in the house. <laughs> it, literally, you know, we have, God uh, enabled some of us to play instruments and to sing. My dad sang growing up. And so we would literally sit around as a family and worship, just move into the presence of God, just pour out, glorify. And we learned to value and learn to live in that place and see God respond and see God work in our hearts as we worshiped him. As we, as we pursued God in worship. And so I think in our house, that was normal. That was worship was normal. And the Holy Spirit, I think we were, we were poured into uh, with knowledge, but also environments were cultivated around us to walk with that 
personally. So it wasn't just this is, this is what the Bible says, this is what you are to believe, but it, they cultivated environments to where we could form a relationship with the Holy Spirit for ourselves. And so as we grew, that was a foundation for me. It wasn't just a foundation because it's what my family taught. That was my identity, was the power of the Holy Spirit, a familiarity with his voice, learning to press in and to cultivate things that would make me more sensitive to the voice of God and to respond to that as a natural, like a natural thing. It wasn't this ultra out of the box. It was like every day. That was a part of my relationship yeah, so with God. Um, I think when I, when, you, when I hear you say that, it helps me understand better um, the, the center that you have. Because if I'm being really honest, I don't know anybody uh, in Grace Avenue Church who's been through more ups and downs and challenges you know, on our team probably than Cody and Sarah. They have walked some, some hard, hard roads um, and just been through a lot of stuff. Uh, and, it, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you, you're, you're, you're standing with people to pray with them, and you pray with them, and you, you're going for it, you're praying with them, and you're, you're hoping to see victory. That's your sight. Your, your sight is you're believing for victory, you're hoping that they overcome the season of whatever's happening, the suffering or loss or depression, because here's the thing. You can't pray it often because we know that the things that happen to us make us. Mm-hmm. God uses the things that afflict us to shape us. He says we were refined as gold, right? We, we come out of the fire of affliction brighter, stronger. Okay, so you can't always pray everything off of people, right? Sometimes, you know, we're asking God, you know, people are asking God to, to save them. And, you know, and we're, they're praying for God to save them. We're here trying to save them. We're trying to throw them a life preserver when God's trying to teach them how to swim, how to pray, how to know he's real how to stand firm in what he says. And so you guys have been through some stuff. And we don't have probably time to get into everything. But what would you say have been some of the, a couple of the toughest, the toughest things that you've been through where you just decided, I'm, I'm going to move my life forward. Yeah. I'm going to move my family forward. I'm not giving up. Because mm-hmm. I've seen people give up uh, with one-fifth of the things that you've gone through. Yeah. I've seen people just give up and quit on God, on life, on everything. Why yeah. have you stayed? Yeah. Um, there, there is a, a backstory, but I feel like when when my son was born, there's a whole backstory behind that. But um, I, what I had prayed for for nine months wasn't what I saw when my son was born. Um, lots of complications. Prayed for miracles. Prayed for healing. Prayed for um, supernatural moves of God. And when he was born, he was born crippled, basically, with a, a condition. And so. I feel like in my spirit, I had a decision to make in that moment that I prayed in faith, faith forward for nine months, that God would move, um, surrounding myself with an atmosphere of worship, uh, pressing into God, declaring his works, declaring his, his victory of the situation. So what I saw when my son was born didn't look like what people would describe victory looked like. And so I, I knew in that moment I had a decision to make. It was to press in and have faith forward that God would continue to reveal the victories in his life as a move forward. And I think that that has been a foundation uh, really over the last seven, eight years that God has established just a solidity that I choose to believe that you are faithful. I choose to believe that you, right. what you say in your word is true. And to watch God respond, even, even early on, I wouldn't say that I had this supernatural level of like belief, like, man, it's, you know, I just feel so empowered. I feel so strong. It was a physical decision that says, God, your word says this. 
I don't see it, but I believe it. And I speak it over this situation because I know apart from me that you are who you say you are and you can do what you can say you do and you can work through me despite of my unbelief. So work belief in me. I'm gonna have faith forward for what you're gonna do in my life. I'm gonna have faith that you're gonna build on me. And we were talking about this yesterday, but looking back and seeing what God has brought us through many more things that in that place of that faith forward mentality that God has revealed why he's done certain things, why certain things have been built in certain ways to equip us to walk in the call that he's bringing us to, even now in this new season here at Grace Avenue Church, um, to, to, to equip us to, to pour into other people, to equip us to walk well and represent him and to glorify him through what we walk through. And I feel like that um, was a, it started as a choice, but it was a promise that God responded to that he was faithful in and revealed himself to me. You know, it's interesting you say, uh, you know, I wasn't this and I wasn't that, but there's th that's how you perceived yourself. Right. Because yeah. when you're walking through affliction, everybody watches you. Yeah. They see you. When you're going through difficulties, when you're going through suffering, when you go through a divorce, when you go through a loss, like people look at us. Yeah. And the faith that we proclaim gets put on display. Yeah. That's right. Right. So yeah. Jesus says, let your light shine. Well, there has to be some darkness for light to shine. Amen. And that's good. In darkness, we find out if we're shining. Yeah. Now, we don't always know we're shining or how bright we're shining, but how many of you know that if you're in a dark tunnel, all you need is one little beam of light to be able to see to kind of know how to get out of it. That's good. People are often looking at our life saying, how do I get out of the hell that I'm in or that I'm going through, that I've been through? And they're looking for the light to help guide the way. Yeah. Right? And part of why I wanted to do this today is for you to... to um, not just here, but really embrace the truth that other people have gone through and are going through stuff right now. Not just you. It's not you, just your prayers that need to be answered. There's prayers around you that need to be answered. And there are people who have stood faithfully in the face of adversity. Uh, I wanna close with, with one more thing, just quickly. Tell us about your son and, and your routine and just the, yeah. the everyday life and what that looks like going forward so, so people understand. Yeah, so Caleb is my only son. He's seven. Uh, he'll be eight this year um, in November. November 1st, 2014 was when he broke into the world. Um, he was born with a super rare condition, basically low muscle development, if any, in his arms and legs. And so uh, routine for us looks like that anything that Caleb needs done uh, is basically we do for him in a lot of ways. He has some trunk movement, and so he can play and has a blast and really doesn't know a whole lot of difference. Uh, we're prepping for the, the, those questions coming as he gets older to be able to discern and speak life into those things and give him vision for who God sees he is. But uh, what it looks like is he wakes up in the morning and uh, <laughs> I get a shout, Dad, I got to pee. That's like my reality in the morning. And so I run in there and I carry Caleb to the bathroom. And then Caleb's carried to breakfast. I go to work and my wife, uh, incredible warrior woman, uh, picks, up, picks up the load. And, and Caleb um, has an incredible heart, but Caleb's dependent on us for everything. Movement, uh, feeding, um, different things. So our, our life kind of revolves a lot around that movement, uh, how we come and go. And, and bringing Caleb, giving Caleb quality of life. And uh, man, just to see God work in our hearts to appreciate the opportunity to steward that. I feel like that is what God has given us a vision for, is, is an opportunity. No one else had the opportunity to be his parents. We did. We have the opportunity to steward that daily 
that's a part of, of what God has gifted us and, and allowed us to walk through. And, 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 you know, he's giving you the very, you know, small version. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars can, all the time of surgeries. Yeah. Many, many. How many surgeries total for him? Over, I believe over 10. We spent the last two years uh, in New York, and we had a series of two years filled with surgeries in, I think it was 2019, 2020. Yeah. So we spent COVID in New York uh, at ch a Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Yeah. And so uh, kind of uprooted, moved out, and had about, I think, seven, 10 surgeries over yeah. the period of two years. So and, but uh, before that, you know, they were part of Grace Avenue for, for years, and they would always have to drive up and travel to this yeah. hospital. So they moved up there for a couple of years to be, be close to, to handle these sets of surgeries that would take months apart to be done. They have to do one, yeah. and it would take months. And in this time, he's trying to find work and do all yeah. this. So I, I just want, I want you guys to know, everybody up here and their spouse, they've gone through stuff. They're going through stuff. They've been faithful to God. They've been faithful to this house with their, their time, their talent, their treasure. Like you, sometimes you're waiting, like what, when's the penny gonna drop for this person to finally give up or run away? You see that, unfortunately. You have faith for people, but you have to wonder, what is it that's gonna break them? I know it's almost broken me before. You know it's almost broken you. But these are the things I believe that when we hear stories like this, it helps us to understand that the grace of God that carried us is the same grace that carries others. And what, what God does for one, he can do for us too. If he can sustain someone in difficulty, he can sustain us. If he can pull them out of adversity and they don't come out bitter and they don't come out hateful and they don't come out, you know, cynical, but they can come out full of faith, still humble, still grateful. Man, what a good God that we serve. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you guys. Come on, let's stand up. Let's give them a hand. Yeah, they're going to exit. Um, if you would, uh, do me a favor. Um, I'd like to take this moment, and uh, I, I would like for us to um, receive communion together. Underneath your chair, there are elements that we'll take. Jesus told his disciples that as, as, as much as you can, do this. And remember, remember the sacrifice that was made for you. Um, uh, communion together. You can do this at home. You can do this with your family. You can do this with your spouse. You can do this by yourself. Together we do this corporately corporately together as a family we do this because it's it's our connected reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us the bread symbolizes his body bruised for our iniquities the Bible says the punishment of sin was put upon Jesus we now walk in freedom our past is not held over us our, our choices are not held against us. Our sins are forgiven. And the Bible says that we are not improved versions of what we were. It says that we are brand new creations. And that we now walk, here's, here's the catch, faultless and blameless before God. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And we can walk in that 
and hold firm to that. And Jesus told his disciples before he was going to the cross, do this in remembrance of me and do it as often as you can. When we come together and we do this, we're not just doing this as an act. This is reaffirming to our soul and to our spirit who Jesus is. The cup symbolizes his blood. His blood that was shed. What the Bible says is for the remission of our sins, the, the, the forgiveness that we needed. A sacrifice could be made. We can understand that in a world that screams for justice. Anytime something is done wrong or somebody does something wrong or we, we, we call out for justice, we scream for justice. Somebody should do something about this. Well, that's the same that's said about our lives. Something, somebody should answer for our sin. We should answer for our sin. We should answer for our, our mindsets, our attitudes, the times we've rebelled against God, we've worked against God, the things we've done, the things we've said, the thoughts we've, we've thought, all of this stuff. But Jesus put all of that, all the sin of the world upon himself, and he says that this cup symbolizes his blood shed so there no longer needs to be sacrifice. You don't have to pay for something Jesus has already paid for. I want to remind us of that this morning. Let's be a church that walks with a full understanding of the goodness and the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, what he's done for us. This morning, let's pray and let's just remember the goodness of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. This morning, we come together as your church, knowing that you're still building us, still making us new, making us more like you. Lord, thank you for the stories we've heard today that encouraged us, that built us, that gave us hope, the testimonies of your great, great work in people. Today, we take this bread and we take this cup knowing of the work that you've done. Stabilize us now to eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.